Hey, dear ones, did you know that you have a built-in compass guiding you to your soul mission with all the tools you need to fulfill that soul mission? Sound exciting? Then join me for a Soul Blueprint, the only certification program that reveals how to amplify your five spiritual gifts so you can consciously create a life and business of massive soul line success. Enroll now at allisonscammell.com forward slash soul blueprint. And you can find that link in the show notes. Good day to you. This is Allison Scammell. And I was lucky enough to interview author Rebecca Wynn about her beautiful new book, 100 Daffodils, Finding Beauty, Grace, and Meaning When Things Fall Apart. This book is so rich with insights and discoveries that we could have taken the discussion in many different directions, but what unfolded was a beautiful exchange on how to connect to intuition and set intentions during unexpected life setbacks, which, let's face it, as spiritual entrepreneurs, we know a thing or two about unexpected setbacks. We end the episode on a challenge that will have you setting intentions that will carry you through any of life's uncertain times. So be sure to stick around until the end. Welcome to She Grows, a podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to grow their income, impact, and inspiration. Each week, we're going to explore how to align to the soul of your business and grow it from there. I'm your host, Allison Scammell. Let's get growing. Hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. At She Grows Nation, your heart is CEO, and you're growing your wealth to serve more people using your unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. In today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Rebecca Wynn. Rebecca Wynn describes herself as an ever-evolving work in progress, a student on the journey. In her life so far, she has been a fashion model, a stay-at-home mom, a theater set designer, a business owner, a horticulturist, a multiple award-winning landscape designer, and creator of the inspirational Facebook page, Whimsical Gardens, which has over 600,000 followers. Her latest endeavor is as an author, and her book, 100 Daffodils, chronicles her emotional, psychological, and spiritual journey through upheaval and heartbreak on her path to self-discovery. I had such a lovely time connecting to Rebecca, and I learned so much. May you receive as much from this conversation as I did. Please enjoy. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have Rebecca Wynn on the show today to talk about her incredible book. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here. Thank you. I am excited to be here. I'm pretending like I am also in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Rebecca had told me that she spent a big chunk of her childhood in Europe. I've lived in Europe over 10 years now. So we were bonding over stories about our time here. Um, I let, I have to say, Rebecca, that I, I'm pretty fastidious when it comes to books and writing styles. I feel like I have, I don't know why, I feel like I have an eye for good writing. And you are just an extraordinary writer. And I truly do not pay that compliment very often. <laughs> Thank you so incredibly much. Wow. That 
<laughs> I really, um, I'm going to take a minute to take that in because, <laughs> um, because I've, I've never studied writing. I've never taken a writing class. I've never even taken a writing workshop. So, um, so I had a lot of insecurity around that. So thank you so much for saying that. That is shocking to me. Yeah, you would never <laughs> know that. Oh my gosh. So let's get into your book. It beautifully describes your personal journey towards self-discovery and empowerment. Can you share with us a little bit about this journey to redefine a future that was truly yours? And I read the book and I really, really loved the metaphor and the role <laughs> your knockout roses played. So um, tell us also a bit about that as you share. So the journey that I embarked on that, that, completely redefined me in most ways was not something that I undertook sort of as a decision. It was something that unfolded. And so it was very incremental. And each step of the way, I was able to intuitively, though often awkwardly um take the next step forward if i had made some great grand declaration that i was going to redefine my life and change my life and you know become completely different <laughs> i i really think that would have been too big for me to comfortably or or even uncomfortably move into. So I, it was little by little. So it began with healing. Um, as my marriage was taking a turn for the worse, I, I actually had a friend. So I had decided a long time ago that I, I was not, um, that organized religion was not a good fit for me. I was always a very spiritual person, even as a tiny child. And we moved to Rome when I was in first grade. And so I was very much surrounded by the iconography of, of religion. And yet, <clears throat> I always felt more of a connection to a more broadly defined spirituality, uh, something that was not so confined by dogma. And so I had sort of made up my own um, spirituality that I believed in that had to do with um, really a lot of interconnectedness. But a friend of mine <clears throat> was looking for a church for her children. And she, um, so she was going to all these different churches, trying to find a good fit. And she called me one day and she said, wow, <laughs> I just got back from a church service that I really think you need to check out. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you know, I don't do church. And uh, she said, yeah, but I really think you might do this one. Anyway, she started calling me every Sunday when she would get back from this place and say, tell me everything they'd said. And, and I was very resistant. But then one day there was um, sort of an explosive 
argument with my husband. And that next Sunday, I went to um, to that church. It was the Unity Church of Dallas, and wept through the whole service. I I couldn't believe there was somebody standing on that stage talking about almost exactly the spirituality that I thought I had made up. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah, and so part of what that told me was that I had connected, I had made up an entire spiritual, you know, belief system that I had connected into a universal wisdom that somebody else, you know, many, many, many years ago had um articulated. And so that was the beginning of my path. And part of the teaching was that you can't change anybody else. You can only change yourself. And that sounds pretty obvious um, once you're on a healing path, but it was not obvious to me at all because I thought my husband was bad and wrong about everything (laughs) and that he was the one that needed to change. And what I saw as I began this path was that as you begin to change yourself, everything around you changes, everything and everyone. And so as that began to deepen into my life, then next steps unfolded. So the marriage was not repaired by that. That was actually never really my goal. I don't think. I I think that the um, the teaching that was intended for me in that relationship was the teaching that I needed to be put onto this this spiritual, psychological, psychological and emotional path, and that was done. And so he and I separated after a while. And the separation was very protracted. As you know, having read the book, um, we were separated for eight years. And that was an enormous gift for me. It it was strange in a lot of ways. um, But it was an enormous gift for me because it gave me time to continue on this path um, before I had to just like instantly change my life and and dive in headfirst to something completely different because I'd been a stay-at-home mother and had really loved that. I'd been very um, happy doing that. So it was during that, but, but as a stay-at-home mother and as an artist, because that's actually what my degree is in, I had started a landscape design business that I did mostly as an artistic outlet. And I say mostly as an artistic outlet. I mean, it was really, really just as an artistic outlet because I was terrible about billing people. (laughs) So that whole business piece of my business was really not happening very much. But I was doing a lot of beautiful work and I was enjoying it and I was learning a lot. And the next thing I knew, I became the garden writer for a regional shelter magazine that has a huge... um, readership. It's the second largest shelter magazine in Texas after Architectural Digest. So it it is regional, but it's big. And um, so, yeah, I was learning a lot. And all of this stuff was going to come together 
at some point, but I didn't know any of that at the time. I was just taking, as Oprah says, the next right step. So it was towards the end of the separation when I finally realized, oh, um, staying in this marriage, married but not really together, um, is not serving me. That is just another way of hiding. And so I realized that I really, I was, I was punishing him, but I didn't know it. <laughs> he had said, I will support you as long as you need me to, to get on your feet. And I had mentally, subconsciously crossed my arms and held my breath and thought, you're damn right. You will. That's the least you can do. <laughs> but I, as soon as I realized that, because it really was unconscious. As soon as I realized that, I was like, whoa, this, this is keeping you tethered into something that is really, really, really not in your best interest. And that was when I decided to really uh, dive into Winskill Gardens, which is the name of my landscape company. And, and make it happen in a real way. So that was a big step for me because as an artist, I have a tendency to sort of get interested in something. I dive in head first. I figure it out while I'm in there. I master it. And then I feel complete with that. And I follow my curiosity somewhere else. And I felt complete with landscaping. I did not want to go back to that. That was part of my resistance. Um, but I had actually what I call my Joan of Arc moment. Since since your listeners are uh, spiritual, spiritually inclined, I will tell the story, which I don't usually tell because, um, you know, not all business people are, you know, marry those two aspects of their life. But I I had a Joan of Arc moment. I I was getting ready to go visit my best friend in New York. And I had told my husband that um, if he needed any information from me to finish our tax returns, because we were still filing jointly, because we were still married, um, that he needed to get it to me by Friday. Well, you know, at the time he was being very passive aggressive and he wasn't doing anything that I asked him to do. And Sunday, the day that I was leaving, he called me and he said, I need this and I need this and I need this and I need that. And I said, no, I, I don't have time. I'm walking out the door. Anyway, we had this big fight. So I was sitting on the airplane as it was loading. And I said out loud, not loud, but out loud, what do I need to do to extricate myself from this marriage? And I heard a voice. It was at like two o'clock. <laughs> and it said, just say yes to landscaping. Yes. And I kind of went. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard it again. Just say yes to landscaping. Well, I got to New York in my friend's house and I said, well, if I was waiting for a sign, <laughs> I guess I just got it. And while I was still at her house, I got an email from a friend back in Dallas saying that she wanted me to look at her mother-in-law's garden when I got home. 
I went when I got home and it was a $70,000 installation at the time. It was the biggest thing I'd ever done. And, and that was, that was the beginning of that following that, what I'm going to call, you know, divine knowing that I apparently had been ignoring long enough that it felt like it needed to yell at me on the airplane. Mm-hmm. and really stepped into my business. Now, when I did that, uh, because when I throw my energy into something, I do that in a, in a big way. And so within a year and a half, um, I made my first presentation on a six-figure installation. And I I want to make the point that I only do residential landscape design, high-end boutique residential landscape design. So most people don't even realize landscaping can cost this much money. (laughs) But but I made my first six-figure presentation like a year and a half later, and I made five or six six figure presentations that year and signed all of them it was almost two million dollars worth of business it was way more than i could do i i only had one little crew i had people giving me five thousand dollar deposits just to hold their place in line i mean i went literally from nothing like this little little landscaping hobby that had a DBA to a multiple award winning, you know, I wasn't even taking jobs under a hundred thousand dollars. It, it, it was, it was incredible. And, um, and I actually still find that incredible. <laughs> so, it's incredible. Yeah. As you said, you, you followed the voice. Yes. It was that, and it was exactly that too with this book, because everything that I have done since that first explosive day with my husband that sent me on a spiritual path that also became the psychological and emotional path everything in my life has changed and it has informed everything that I have done. And I will tell you that I had this sort of thing about wanting to write a book way back then when I had my Joan of Arc moment. And I was trying to very awkwardly find my way there. And I trained as a life coach too. Um, We didn't have a chance to uh, touch on that, but I trained at CTI, the Coaches Training Institute, which is a very prestigious, um, you know, coaching program. I flew back and forth out to California for a year doing that training. And um, I found that coaching really wasn't uh, what I wanted to do, but boy, that training was important and powerful. I actually think everybody should take life coach training. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's so yeah, valuable no. for how to listen and how to, uh, to communicate with people. But anyway, I, I was just trying to find my way in this direction of, 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 of helping people, which I didn't really feel like landscaping did. 
and I felt like was my calling, but I didn't know how to get there. And so after I did that, that first $70,000 job and I was super grateful and I, I was like, okay, I get it. You know, I guess I'm supposed to say yes to landscaping. And I was having a little conversation with God and being all kind of pouty about it. And I, and I remember that, that meditation and thinking, okay, I said yes to landscaping and thank you. This seems to be working, but does this mean I don't get to have my dream? Does this mean I don't get to write a book? Does this mean I don't? get to speak with to women and empower them and and help them you know transform their lives and the response that i got was so do you believe all of this um spirituality stuff you espouse or are you just talking because you have little faith just trust me. And within, I don't know, two weeks, maybe the beginning of this book happened in a way that is a whole other long story that, you know, I can tell if you want me to, or we can move on to something else. I can talk about the knockout roses, but, but the point is that, that I learned sometimes slowly and resistantly, but hopefully finally, that the universe has infinite ways to get you where you want to go. And when you set a clear intention, which by the way, was not that easy for me, learning to set a clear intention was one of my biggest challenges. Um, But when you do that and release it, that that there are there are an infinite number of ways that that you can get to where you want to go but if you think that you need to figure it out there's about 3 or maybe 0 because maybe your dream is so big that you have no idea how to get there that's the way the book was for me i had no idea how to get there i had no connections i had no training i had no qualifications nothing but i knew i knew that it was something that I was called to do. And so I have said many times ever since the book sold that I should be the poster child for set an intention and release the how. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love that. The diabolical hell of the how, as a friend of mine calls it. <laughs> yes, but it's only diabolical and it's only hell. If you think you have to figure out the how, that's what makes it hard. It's not hard for the universe at all. <laughs> so it's one of the reasons I always tell people to focus on the focus. So what that means is you set your intention let it go, release it just as you've suggested. And then you just focus on what do I have to do today? What's my focus for today? It's not a how, it's just what is my focus to today? And when you allow that focus to present itself or to come up from your heart, it just naturally puts you in alignment to that intention. It does. And listening. So my intuition 
that still small voice had been silenced over the course of my life. But but it was very powerful. And it actually began to be silenced when I was a child because it scared me. And then um, my the men in my life didn't uh, have any sort of respect for that voice. So um, they would say, I, I don't really want to hear what you feel. I want to know what you know. And just the facts. And so I was sort of conditioned out of listening to and very much out of trusting that voice of intuition, which is the voice of the divine, I believe. And so part of my goal when my husband moved out was to reconnect with that voice. And as I did, um, wow. <laughs> it, I mean, at some point you feel like you just went to Hogwarts and, you know, I mean, you feel like, <laughs> like a magic person because it, it's so incredible how, how clear it is and how right it is, even when it feels strange, like the possum story in my book. Um, I was sure that there was no reason for me to go back into the house. And I actually think that's one of the funnier pieces in the book. Um, but boy, my intuition was not going to let me back out of that driveway without going back for a reason. It was powerful. So I, uh, I'm a big, 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 big advocate for connecting to that still small voice which is actually the voice of the divine, in my opinion. So tell us about um, what's your advice for, say, spiritual entrepreneurs who are the primary listeners of this podcast, who don't um, have a, um, they don't know if they can trust that voice or if they're not sure if it really is the voice of their intuition. What kind of advice would you give to them about building that trust mm -hmm. with that higher voice? So <clears throat> that's a great question. And I, um, I would say a couple of things. The first one is that you're, your connection with the divine is always, always, always going to have your highest good um, in mind. So if the voice that you're hearing that's confusing you and you're not sure whether to listen to it or not, if it's in any way mean to you, <laughs> that is not the voice of the divine. So I think we all have a, a mean girl in our head or a mean guy, but I think women really suffer from this more. Uh, that voice of doubt, that voice of insecurity, that voice of, of what I call our own glass ceiling, the all the reasons why you can't. And unless your life is in extreme <laughs> danger, if you have 
a a dream for yourself professionally or even personally that feels big the voice of the divine is never going to tell you you can't do that so i I believe that if you if you listen for small steps, so I think a lot of times what we're looking for is some big epiphany. Oh, you know, here it is, the great unfoldment, the answer. And and in my experience, that's not how that works. <clears throat> it's step by step because when you are pursuing a big step forward in any way, but particularly professionally, but also personally. And you have to grow in to the person who can be that thing you want to be. And for the most part, what we have when those things are still aspirations is we have courage and we have ability and we have, um, we have a calling, but we don't necessarily have all of the tools that it takes to be that. So I think that the voice of intuition is going to take you incrementally to a place where you are empowered for your biggest dreams. And I will give you an example of, of doing it the other way. When my company, my landscaping company first really like started blowing up in a good way, I needed help. I, I did not have, I was, I was not ready for it. It was, it was too much, too fast, too much money, too much work, uh, too many clients, everything was too big. And this woman contacted me actually from the spiritual center that I was attending. And she asked for a job and I really didn't vet her at all because I just needed help. And we both sort of did what I call a little metaphysical malpractice, which is where just because something shows up, you think it, and it feels right that it must be, you know, an answer to a, a, you know, a prayer. (laughs) And, um, that, that blew up sort of epically within three weeks because she had an aspiration for, uh, for being a project manager, but she did not have the tools or the experience or the know-how. And I just needed help. And I thought the fact that she showed up was, um, you know, sort of an answered prayer. And so I didn't check all of that stuff, but, but it's more important sort of from her perspective because she was posting all over social media, you know, how, Oh my gosh, this stuff really works. This, you know, setting intentions and, you know, reaching for your biggest dream and all that kind of stuff. Well, actually it didn't really work that well because she, she had not done the incremental steps. She, she had set an intention for something that was really high, but she, and then she got that opportunity, but she was not equipped for it. She didn't know how to do that job. So 
that's why I always caution people to keep your intentions high. I am not saying lower your lower your aspirations at all, but but it's not um, it's not magic, right? It's it's energy, and so you still have to know what you need to know to be in that place of success. So there's an African saying, pray and move your feet. And I, I love that because a lot of times people think just setting the intention, uh, is going to be enough, but, and maybe it is, you know, I'm going to say that never happens, but I think that that the uh, God helps those who help themselves, and so I believe in setting your intentions very high, and then being honest with yourself about what you need to learn to really accept that position when it's given to you, and. Um, I can tell you that with my book, um, there were many times when it felt like the whole project had been derailed. And I thought, okay, this is it. Here it is. You know, it's going to get published. Oh, oh, oh. And then everything would fall apart. Instead of thinking, oh, well, I guess my highest aspiration was not meant to be, what I did was built more of a foundation, a stronger foundation, a broader foundation, a wider foundation. And you know what happened? (laughs) I got a bigger agent and I got a bigger book deal than I ever, ever dreamed was possible. It went to auction. Mm. <laughs> it, 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 it sold to a big five publisher for a lot of money with a major national marketing and public relations campaign attached to it. It was, it was so much bigger than my dream that when I thought it had been derailed six times before in the preceding three or four years, it wasn't derailed. It was giving me a chance mm. to catch up to the realization of the intention that I had set six years before that I wasn't ready to stand in yet. I love that. I love that so much. And I, I, that, that you spent that moment, you didn't accept the defeat. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. When you first started getting no's and you went to that foundation. And I think that that foundation, you know, for a, for an entrepreneur is building up systems, getting the right if you need to hire somebody, getting the right people, yes, um, all of those things. And, you know, it's really funny. I'll, I'll sometimes work with people who've been in business for a while and they'll, they'll have made money in their business. And I'll say, well, what's your profit plan for say 2020? And they are like, my, my what? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, how much do you intend to earn? What do you want to create? Like simple questions yes. that is this foundation. So when you have this foundation, you know what? You know what to ask for. You That's know what exactly to intend. Right. Yes. Right. And yes. I love how this showed up in your life. So it, sh- it so well describes how it works. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, and I also want to say that for me, and I also believe um, in the world of of setting intention and communicating with um, 
you know, the intangible, that language is really important. So um, something sort of pinged for me when you said that, which is, I never felt like I experienced defeat at all, ever, not once. Mm. And that is nothing in the world but perspective. Because there are lots of people that would have thought every moment at which it felt like that, that my intention was being derailed, they would have seen that as exactly that word that you just used, defeat, or another word that they love to use in the publishing world, which is rejection. You know, people sort of, you know, will, will wear it as some badge of honor, all their rejections. I don't feel like I've ever had a rejection in my life. Never, not once. I was given an opportunity to expand further and I learned more. And every single time that something that, that something didn't work out with a person, I did not consider that any kind of rejection or, or defeat or, or anything except, oh, something better is coming. And I always knew that. I always believed that even when I was kind of upset about what just happened because I kind of didn't want to wait any longer. And I knew now it was more time that it was going to take. There was never a moment at which I felt defeated or rejected. Not once. Mm. And that is frame of mind. And I think that is the key to any success. So that is rare, Rebecca. That is really cool because the entrepreneurial journey is, especially at the beginning, is 15 no's before you get your first yes. And that's just part of it. And I always say, and and uh, a lot of people say this, it's not failure, it's feedback, right? So, you know, what do you have to shift or do, or who, who do you have to talk to differently to get to that yes? And a lot of entrepreneurs don't have that. They get a no and they immediately go to failure. Mm -hmm. As you're suggesting that, that mindset of like, I failed instead of, I just need to adjust and do things differently next time. Or that wasn't the right person. You know, that wasn't the right person to me work with. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a big part of the adjustment. Yeah. So it sounds like to me, you're almost born with this. I mean, was it natural to you? This never had this feeling of rejection in your life. Like what would you say to an entrepreneur who feels that gets, you know, sometimes even derailed at a setback derailed at a no. I will. I want to clarify that I've never it's not that I've never felt rejected in my life. It's that I never felt rejected on my path to my dream. Mm -hmm. Big difference. Uh, because, yeah. because no, I was absolutely not born with that. I was deeply insecure for most of my life. And, um, and that was the healing that is the arc of this book. Uh, because you may recall at the very beginning in the prologue, the second piece, because it's essays for those of you who don't know, um, it's called form and formlessness. And I actually describe myself as being invisible, right? So that was the starting point. It was not a sense of never feeling, um, insecure. I was, 
profoundly insecure and deeply wounded. And I believed every mean thing that had ever been said to me by my abusive grandmother, which started at the beginning of my life. And it was in my body, my belief about all the ways in which my very existence on this planet was wrong and bad. Through all the people that I brought into my life that kept her and her teaching alive in me. It was on the path to my dream that I did not ever feel rejected or defeated because I had done and was doing, was continuing to do the internal work. So it is it's it's the coaches that you hire it's the therapists you hire it's the spiritual practice if you have one which i highly recommend that is the foundation yes you know take the workshops on how to build a business take the workshops on how to you know make social media you know help help you do all of those business related things but those alone are not going to be what give you the internal fortitude to realize your most far-reaching dreams. That has to come from personal healing. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. I've had so many coaches and so many therapists. I've done so many workshops. I've, I've, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars over the course of my life, probably. Don't get scared. (laughs) I'm sure you could do it, you know, without spending all that money, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in workshops and self-help books and with coaches and trainers and, and, you know, spiritual teachers and all of the ways in which I needed to be fixed, which was all the ways. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I say in my book, you know, there's there's something for everybody because I was just that messed up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love. That. Yeah, I I think this is great, and I love the words internal fortitude. So, um, if you had some advice for listeners of this show, and I totally agree, and it's not just because. I'm a coach that focuses on deep healing <laughs> and deep soul wounds um, to heal them as it relates specifically to your business and your ability to bring in wealth. Yes. But um, aside from hiring people, which I totally think that if you can, you should to help you with this, because this is hard work. And sometimes you can't always just see it for yourself and you need someone else holding the space for you. But what are some daily tips or, or sorry, what are some tips or daily practices that you would recommend for people for their internal fortitude to get into this energy we're talking about of not feeling, not being derailed by the daily setbacks not seeing a no as failure and just seeing it as getting back to letting that help build your foundation even stronger. Wow. I've done so many things. Um, but, but some of my favorites are, I had such a, um, 
not just dedicated, but committed <laughs> uh, meditation practice. And I would wake up every morning and brush my teeth and wash my face and meditate, go meditate. I did not have tea. I did not, uh, you know, get online. I didn't check my phone, nothing straight from bed to meditation. And one of the things that I think is powerful about that is that you're still sort of in that place of connection with the unknowable. You're more open. You're still kind of relaxed. You have not allowed yourself to uh, already get pulled into your day. I really recommend that people not keep their phone by their bed. Uh, get a real clock. Do not use your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. No, yes, I, yes. Yeah, because especially now, it's far too easy. You know, if you use your phone as your clock, you pick up your phone or your alarm goes off or whatever, you look at the phone and guess what? There's a text message and six emails. And the next thing you know, you're already in your day. So I think that the connection with our soul and our our deepest heart's desires and our intuition and connection with, with the divine cannot be interrupted by our day. So keep your phone out of your bedroom <laughs> and then go straight into meditation. And I, um, I would meditate, especially during that time. I never meditated for less than 30 minutes in the morning. And sometimes it would go for an hour and a half because I would just lose track of time. Now, everybody doesn't have that flexibility of time, but, <clears throat> but I highly recommend it. Now, since then, I have done the transcendental meditation, um, training and they recommend t 20 minutes twice a day. So that feels a lot more doable to a lot of people. Uh, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at the end of the day. Um, I also think that's a great way of doing it. So that's thing one. Thing two is that post-it notes, you may know, um, come in this sort of large size. I have post-it notes that are sort of half the size of printer paper. So what would that be like nine by six? And I put little um, reminders all around my house and I move them around because, you know, you leave something in a place for very long and you quit seeing it. <laughs> um, and they would be, things that I needed to be reminded of, uh, the spiritual lessons that I needed to hold in my mind. The one that I have up right now, because my book literally came out where I live, Dallas, shut down at midnight on March 23rd, and my book came out at 12.01 on March 24th. My entire book tour was canceled, every event I had major major, major, major events, media, all that stuff, poof, gone. And the one that I have up right now says, do not give up before the miracle. Mm. Back in the olden days, <laughs> when I was just trying to build that foundation, I had things like 
thoughts held in mind reproduce after their own kind. That to me was one of the most important things that I had to learn was if you're thinking about it all the time, you're creating it. So if that's worry and that's fear and that's not enoughness, that is what you are creating. That is the energy that you are putting out and that is what you're going to attract back. And so I needed a constant reminder, thoughts held in mind. What are you thinking about? Because that's what's reproducing in your life. And um, and then I have another little thing that I do that um, that I just made up one day because it seemed like every time I walked out of my therapist's office, my precious, beloved therapist who passed away right after my book sold, um, and I miss her so incredibly much, but she was a big part of my healing. And every time I walked out of our session, it was 12.29 o'clock. <laughs> Well, my birthday is December 29th, and I started a little practice. Every time I got in the car and I turned it on, and it was 1229, which it usually was, weirdly enough, I would close my eyes, and I would say a prayer of appreciation for myself. I would find some aspect of me that I valued and could focus on and appreciate because I can be very, very self-critical. And I know that I was working against myself in that way a lot. And so it didn't have to necessarily do with business or whatever was necessarily on my mind. It, it had to do with what I felt like I needed to heal in myself. So a lot of times it was about my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that, you know, if there's a moment, if your birthday is something that you can see on a clock, <laughs> which I think everybody's is, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine's on Saturday. Okay. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, so that's what I do. It's just like this little moment because it'll appear out of nowhere now. You know, I don't, I'm not looking for the clock to turn to 1229, but it's uncanny how frequently I will look at the clock and it says 1229. And every time it does it now, I close my eyes and I say a prayer of gratitude for myself for something that I need to heal. And uh, again, that takes us back to that internal work that is going to support everything that you do externally. Mm. That is brilliant. I love these tips. They are really, really, really great. And I used to do the post-it note thing and I've kind of stopped because I have a three-year-old, but um, I will stick them up higher so right. she can't reach them because <laughs> it is really a really, really great tip. Thank you so much. So Rebecca, my gosh, this has been incredible. I have to say that we didn't talk about the things that I had intended I'm to talk so about. Sorry. But I I didn't respond no, about gosh, the roses. I, <laughs> no, I thought about that. No, this is for the listeners. Listen, 
go out and get Rebecca's book because it's brilliant and you can read about her knockout roses because it really like touched me how they turned out to be such a metaphor in her life and how I think we can just all relate to having these, <laughs> to having our own knockout roses uh, in, in our path. Um, so we're just going to tease them with that and not tell them the story. <laughs> okay, and I, I apologize. Love- <laughs> I, I, I went off on a tangent. No, no, no. I love how the conversation unfolded. I think it's perfect. I think it's just what people need right now because really, Rebecca, your story, um, you know, I'm just going to say that I'm a a teeny bit grateful that all of your stuff got canceled for the book because otherwise you probably (laughs) wouldn't have found me. So I'll just say that. And then I'm going to set the intention that when, when we start, uh, you know, meeting together in three to three dimensional form, we humans, um, that your events are going to come back and they're going to be big bigger and better than ever because this book needs to get in people's hands. It's really timely. It's really beautifully written. It's hard for me to believe that you haven't been writing your whole life. And this isn't like book number 15 um, because it's really written that well. Please tell people who are listening how they can get their hands in a copy and how they can find out more about you. Oh, thank you. Um, So first of all, I would say that I, because of what's going on in the world, I'm really trying to direct people towards independent bookstores. Certainly Amazon is the easiest. And I did send Allison links to Amazon all over the world because it was a global release. Um, And if you are in a place where independent bookstores are an option, then um, I highly recommend that you order the book from an independent bookstore because they are really, really struggling right now. In the United States, um, Oblong Books in upstate New York has been incredibly supportive of me and they've been amazingly efficient, even given the lockdown. So the book is available as an ebook. Also, if you happen to be somewhere where physical books are not being delivered at all, which there have been places where that was the case. Um, it's of course available as an ebook and they also greenlit the audiobook, um, which apparently is very unusual for them to do with, uh, an unknown author. So I was very honored by that. And I did do the voice work and that was super, super fun. So all of those nice. formats are available and there is a website called Libro, F-M-L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, that is independent bookstores for audio. So you can get it on Audible, of course, you know, but if you, again, want to try to support the independent uh, bookstores around uh, the country and the world, uh, Libro FM is how you do that with audio. So, um, yeah, but also available by Amazon, they will deliver more slowly if you want a physical book because they've deprioritized, um, non-essentials, which I think they're crazy that books are non-essential, but whatever. And then of course there's also Barnes and Noble, (laughs) you know, Barnes and Noble is a big, yeah. And, and again, in the United States, I don't know about overseas, but in the United States, all bookstores are delivering for free right now. Um, a lot of times that's what pulls people to Amazon, but everybody's delivering for free right now to try to help, 
uh, authors and publishers and themselves um, by making books easier for people to buy from from bookstores. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Rebecca, thank you so much for being the beautiful bright light that you are and all the amazing things that you've done and for writing such a beautiful book and sharing it with us um who who are your ideal audience who just feel inspired by by what you've by your experiences and your ability to share your experiences so thank you so much for being here i'm a true fan and um wish you well on the rest of this book launch. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Allison. I really appreciate it. And, and I agree, you are my perfect audience. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> and I'd like to thank you so much for listening. And if you're a member of a book club, Rebecca would love to attend one of your meetings and participate via Zoom. And if you get your hands on a copy of her book, Rebecca is kindly requesting photos of it in nature to be posted on social media and be sure to tag her. Or you can email her at 100daffodils at gmail.com and give her permission to share it. And if you're loving this episode, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever it is you listen. And I'd be super grateful for a rating and review so more people can find us. And if you want help connecting to your intuitive voice and soul intentions, then head on over to my website, alisonscammell.com, and download three free guided visioning meditations to help you double your business growth and reach in six months' time.